thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my friend and co-host, Corey Walsh. Corey, you've been gone for a minute. And what a hell of a way for you to return than the acquisition of Donovan Mitchell. Dude, what the fuck just happened? I just overcame having what I believe was the coronavirus. And I just got needed more medical attention after that Donovan Mitchell news. So safe to say, uh, I I am unwell. (laughs) (laughs) Mentally and physically. Okay, so I'm I'm just going to ask straight up, straight up. Was this a dub for Cleveland? Do you consider this a win? I think I let me throw up. Let me throw up the actual what was traded and what was acquired. And you tell me if this is a dub. I when I saw the trade, I was like, is this like the fake Woj account? Like when I I just like I couldn't believe it. And then when I saw the news, my first instinct was like, all right, what what did we give up? Because all Woj tweeted was the Cavaliers have traded for Donovan Mitchell. And I'm like in my head, like, oh, my God. Who, who's leaving? And, uh, I immediately was like, it can't be Jared or Kevin. Bro, all along, all do, uh, throughout these talks, the only thing that we heard is, well, the core is untouchable. As long as the core is not included, everything, you know, the, 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 the trade talks are still on. And then we got the news that Cleveland was removing themselves effectively from any type of uh, any type of talks. And then RJ Barrett gets a fucking extension and shit heats right back up again and here we are like i i reacted to this earlier in the um in a in a space but i'm still like at a loss kind of for words here um this this is some crazy ass shit right here um i mean just going down the line obviously uh the Cavs had to give up colin sexton um just i'm, I'm assuming that utah that was like a pivotal key piece in in and getting Spider over here, um, you know, happy to see Colin get paid too, because uh, I believe he uh, immediately signed a four-year, seventy-two million-dollar extension uh, upon being traded. So happy to see him finally get his money. That is what thirty-two million more than what he was offered, uh, you know, altogether initially from the Cavs. Um, the the big thing here that sticks out to me. Uh, There's actually a couple, but the biggest one to me is Lowry marketing, bro. Tell me, just just tell me how you're feeling uh, uh, about Lowry being dismissed. <laughs> I was very upset to lose Lowry, not only because he is, I don't know if people forget, our starting small forward, which was kind of big. And I don't know if people also remember uh, our depth at the small forward is kind of atrocious. 
I wouldn't be saying that's the strength of our team whatsoever. And it only became weaker in this trade overall. Like now I have to spend the rest of my Cavs off season debating whether I want Jetty Osmond, Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade, or Kevin Love to play the three. Bro, let me tell you, I'm in a couple of Cavs group chats. And immediately after I stated my opinion on this, they all jumped on me. Like, <laughs> like what are you talking about? Um, and, and I, to a certain extent, I get the happiness. I get the joy. I am excited. Uh, I really am. But I think people are really downplaying just how much Lowry meant to the actual lineups this past season. I mean, he only shot, I want to say like, I got it down here. He shot 35.8% for three point range, which isn't anything to, you know, be super excited about. But when you think about the fact that Evan Mobley is still very, um, very raw in terms of being able to space the floor and Jared Allen outside of an emergency three here and there is not going to do that. So as you said, now we have to figure out what the hell to do at the three, because as you also see here, the player who many thought would eventually take on that starting three role or two, <laughs> Ochai Abaji is gone. <laughs> I didn't even get a chance to love him. And they, you know, the tweet right here obviously misspelled his name. <laughs> Got a bit poke fun at that, but we are not going to get a chance to see Ochai Abaji suit up in wine and gold in that kind of bums me out too uh to an extent um after doing all that damn draft work like i was telling you earlier um for the first round picks um this is how it all ends for him and um you know i wish him the best i i hope his career gets kick-started um being on a utah jazz team that is sure to be able to provide him good opportunities uh, oh there will be a lot of opportunity yeah but i am sad to see him go because when you think about like three and d like wings if you consider um, Agbaji like a true wing, I know a lot of people don't. Uh, but if you do, he was kind of like the closest thing that we had because Isaac Okoro has that D, you know, the defense, but he doesn't have the three yet on a consistent basis, even though he shot 35% from the field last season. Um, just not enough volume to really feel great about that. Not to mention, bro, he's undersized at 6'4". At so, that leaves you with three legitimate options, right? <laughs> Dean Wade, <laughs> <Woo! laughs> who, you know, this is the Dean Wade podcast, the official. Dean Our Wade time podcast. is now. <laughs> <laughs> Dean, if there's ever time for you to get your ass on the show, it's now. Um, Lamar Stevens, who, you know, I wrote about recently uh, a couple weeks ago about him potentially taking a breakout, but not as a starter. And Karis LeVert, who at 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, is got the length. Uh, and the wingspan is 6'10 to be an impactful defender, but hasn't done it. And guess what? Karis LeVert has also not played more than 60 games in five seasons. So those are kind of the options right now. Oh, let me throw in Dylan Winder. <laughs> I was going to say, Mac, I, I think it's been thrown under the rug by every Cavs fan that the Cavs really went out of their way to make sure that Dylan Windler would secure the three spot. All they had to do was trade away three of their best players. Look. Look, whatever Dylan has now a built-in last chance here. <laughs> this move has freed up enough spaces for Dean, Lamar, Dylan, Jetty, whoever else could potentially, you know, have that last shot at securing a role here. And Dylan so, Windler just basically gave the cat or, or yeah, gave the Cavs the equivalent of the swap hands card to Nuno. He's like <laughs> 
here's your roster. You're about to swap it, and I'm in it. Let's go. Right. And so we just got asked here, does uh, Karis LeVert start over a core of the three? Yeah. I mean, you're not – we went from saying – we literally went from, oh, Karis LeVert should start over Colin Sexton because of the size concerns, because of the fit concerns at the two, to Karis LeVert having to play at the three, having to start at the three. That is fucking crazy to me. See, I'm not in the same boat as you. I don't want Karis LeVert starting at the three at all. I also don't want a Coro starting at the three. I feel like right now it has to be either it's, like it's Dean, Dean or Jenny. Or it's oh, Dean or Jenny to me. Okay, so you can make like give me your rationale for Jetty over a, a Lamar or Dean or a, um or Dylan. Because the the important thing about Lowry was that he was one of the very few calves that was a floor spacer for us. And now it's basically gar- like, yes, Garland and Mitchell are floor spacers. But at the three, like we're like, we're not going to say Mobley and Allen have an outside shot. So we really need at least one other person to threaten defenses. And unless Mobley becomes like the second coming of Chris Bosh from the three point line this season, <laughs> I don't really see a world in which that's going to happen. And I don't want Jetty starting at all. I still now feel like there's a ton of moves left for the Cavs, and we have a lot of roster spots now open. So there's probably going to be another small forward that gets brought in eventually. But I, for right now, I I just need another floor spacer. And if you want to really keep the tall ball lineup, you're going to have to have it be Dean or Lamar. And if you want it to be Jetty, then that's going to really, like Jetty or... um, uh, Karis LeVert, that's going to also really hurt because the the thing that made the two guards work that were small was that we had three bigs to cover up those defensive liabilities. And we can't have Karis LeVert out there and have three players you don't really play defense and then tell Mobley and Allen that, hey, you're going to do cleanup duty for the entire game, especially because it's more likely than not that Mobley or Allen are going to be the only one on the floor of the two at a time. Like it's only going to be the start of the game and end of the game that we're going to have the two of them there. So you're either going to go all in on offense and sacrifice what made the team really unique last year with their defensive presence, or you're going to just try to stick Dean Wade as the best Lowry marketing clone you possibly can, even though Lowry marketing, I don't know for those of you who read was ranked today on ESPN's bullshit top 10 euros of the Euro cup was in the top 10. And that's a tough loss for us today. Also more than that. Yeah, it's it's a huge loss. Uh, and I think a lot of people are downplaying it. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people suggest that, you know, Donovan Mitchell. And if you guys hear that in the background, that's my daughter. <laughs> she doesn't like the trade. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the it, at the end of the day, here's the thing. Donovan Mitchell can space the floor. Obviously, he's a much better three point shooter in, than most of the players on the Cavaliers roster. He obviously spaces the hard floor to more. do. <laughs> he obviously spaces the floor more than Colin Sexton would have, um, and Karis LeVert does. But here's the thing in regards to Lowry Markin, and that is that on the defensive side of the floor, although he is not what anybody would consider a um, an all defensive team caliber guy. His length really did, you know, bother defenses. Um, I mean, opposing players rather on that end. And he was able to make up for a lot of that lack of quickness with that size. And it was very key to actually making the three seven footer lineup work. So, um, you know, I know you're you're kind of along the lines of maybe a jetty 
starting. But here's the thing about I'm really not. I can be easily talked out of it. (laughs) Let me try and talk you out of it. Let me try and talk you out of it because we're at this point now where we have to figure some shit out. So Dean Wade, Dean Wade did, you know, he started some games here in Cleveland. Um, You know, he started uh, 28 games this past season for the Cavs, and he was able to shoot 35.9% from beyond the arc but that was only on 2.8 attempts per game and dean has never really shot more than 3.4 in any of his three seasons uh, so it remains to be seen with like higher volume what that would actually look like for him so and let me just let me just say this because i get the feeling some of you guys might think that we're down or specifically that i'm down on this trade i'm not i love the trade itself but I'm rare, like very, very sad about the pieces that we had to give up. And I really I'm interested to see what the actual fit is going to look like here. Like you you already have you still have the smallish backcourt in DG and Mitchell at six one. You don't know what the hell's going on at the three. And you still have your your all-star caliber front court, um, you know, in Mobley and Allen. The, the biggest questions here are one, what the fuck is going to happen at the three? And two, what is the depth? So, so let me ask you this question, Corey. If you're pulling Jetty off the bench to come and start for you, what is your, like, what is your bench looking like from a spacing standpoint? Uh, Kevin Love and Karis Levert would do a decent job of accomplishing that for the time being. I mean, Dylan Windler is going to have to step up, obviously, which is really terrifying. I, I hate that this trade is making me re have to consider that Jetty and Dylan Windler as of right now might be important bench players again. Cause we were talking maybe a month ago being like, man, the Cavs are going to have to decide who like their 14th man is going to be between Jetty and Dylan Windler. And now it's like, man, who's going to be the starting three between Jetty and Dylan Windler? <laughs> oh, have the times changed, my friend. Like, As Michael Scott once said, oh, how the turntables. All <laughs> this, this reference. There you go. Bro, I'm just like, I'm here. I'm here and I'm just trying. I'm simply existing right now. Like, I don't know how to really feel about this. I'm happy. And after sleeping on this, as I said in the uh, in the space earlier today, I'm probably gonna feel really fucking good. But just just having the knowledge <laughs> that I have of seeing these guys leave, seeing Colin Sexton's probably never gonna suit up in wine and gold again. We already knew that was potentially something that could happen. But Ochai, Ochai never got a fucking game in wine and gold. Lowry is underrated and uh and then obviously you got the picks here which don't matter as much to me yeah. i mean the thing that i uh, well first off to okchai uh hang his jersey in the rafters with cavalier summer league greats like andrew wiggins we had a good run uh round of applause for what okchai brought to the table those threes were cool uh <laughs> i also immediately when that trade came through my first thought was man i would have honestly rather had it been a coro than okchai especially for what this team now needs but i want to know your thoughts what if you had to swap a coro for okchai would the would the trade make like would you feel better about the roster overall why are you doing this to me <laughs> why are you doing this? listen 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's. A, yeah. I think that's what everyone was thinking was like, why couldn't? Uh, it, I mean, every cast fan who's asking, like, why couldn't it have been a Coro that was in the trade instead of Okchai? Why don't you ask yourself why Utah didn't want a Coro <laughs> over Okchai? There's a thing called three point shooting at a higher volume, and a Coro doesn't check that box. Listen, but if you no. want to watch that Philly highlights to get yourself convinced <laughs> that a Coro is going to be good again this year. Join the club because I already did that like an hour ago, bro. I know you have to. These are the questions you have to ask yourself, right? Like, why? <laughs> That's the first question. <laughs> um, dude, obviously, yes. Having not even played a game in the NBA yet, Ochai's legitimate his ability to space the floor was legitimate, and that was something he until Okoro showed improvement on that end of the floor. And specifically that, hard to really sell anybody on, like, including him as a, a key piece in a trade like that. So I get it. I understand why we had to let him go, but shit sucks. Goodbye, um, sweet prince. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, bro, I, I mean, I got to show you something because I've put this on Twitter numerous times. What what the hell do I do with this now? <laughs> what do I do with this? Like. For those who are listening via audio, Mac is showing his uh, lifelike sketch of Colin Sexton that he spent hours upon hours painting, only to now realize he needs to go buy more paint to change the uniform. Now I got to draw a fucking Utah Jazz logo over it, but uh, no. Oh, good thing their uniforms are like hideously neon now, so that's totally going to be fun. Bro. I don't <laughs> <laughs> What a day. Like, I had no idea. Nobody had any idea this type of thing was coming. You know, we know that Cleveland was very interested in Donovan Mitchell. Um, definitely. <laughs> Donovan Mitchell definitely interested in playing in Cleveland. Um, but surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. Like, props to him. You don't hear players saying, I want to come to Cleveland. You just don't hear it all the time. Um why is it whenever a player gets traded to Cleveland, the first thing they do is post a picture of them in a LeBron jersey when they were younger, being like, I was a huge Cavs fan at the time. Because Let me LeBron see a young kid effect, throw man. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, why doesn't no one wear like a big Z uniform or like a Verizal uniform to seal how big of Cavs fans they were? It's always like, oh man, Cavs ride or die, baby. You were just a LeBron fan, all right? <laughs> <laughs> if you ask players who say things like that to name five players from that era, they probably couldn't do that. <laughs> They're like, oh, man, Booby Gibson was my favorite player at the time. Yeah. Uh, but all jokes aside, guys, this is a win for everybody involved. Sexton gets his money. Ochai gets opportunities that he may or may not have been afforded from the jump with Cleveland. Lowry gets more opportunities himself. Hopefully, um, you know, wishing the best for him. He's been balling out this offseason. Um, and the picks, like I said, Cleveland is probably going to finish out of lottery range anyways, hopefully. So they're not going to be as big of a um, the a loss as some people might think. And obviously the Cavs win here with acquiring the services of Donovan Mitchell, a multi-time all-star and very, very impactful player. So this is a team, as many have suggested, that uh, you know could potentially hold four All Stars <laughs> this upcoming season. But I gotta say, um, let me just ask you this: We know that East got deeper, especially in the guards category. Do you see one or both of these guards on the Cavs making the All Star game? 
Um, I actually feel like this trade hurts both of their ability to go to an all-star game. I also like my biggest question for me now is I like the only way that I feel like this works a hundred percent for the Cavs is that if Darius still is the one who drives the bus for this Cavaliers offense is when the Cavs will be like at their most optimum level of offense because taking the ball away from Darius. Yes. He's a good like catch and shoot off the dribble guy and catch and shoot just like on the wing. But I, I just feel like in order for this team to thrive, it needs to be Darius's show. And I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell needs to score like just 20 points a game. I feel like Donovan Mitchell can still be like a 25 points per game scorer and this team can still, as long as Darius is the one who's facilitating a majority of the time, the offense should work. But I just don't want to have it be like the whole season being like, all right, well, who's going to be the straw that stirs the drink type thing, you know? I think it's hard for a player like Donovan Mitchell to go from being the all-star, the number one option undisputedly for the Jazz, to then being like, all right, uh, well, you're coming to the Cavs now. This is Darius's show. We've seen what he's done. I, we just need you to buy in. Hopefully Ricky Rubio, you know, Donovan Mitchell's boy from Utah can give him a little, like, uh, pull him aside and be like, hey, uh, Donovan, you know, um, you're good and all, but this is Darius's team now. <laughs> See, now that's a very interesting thing, uh, just simply because, one, Donovan Mitchell actually had a 33% usage rate last season for Utah, um, which – That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's crazy because he he's the number one guy, obviously. And then you know, DG, I want to say, yeah, about a twenty eight, somewhere around a twenty eight percent usage rate. I could be wrong, but nowhere near that amount. So the dynamic here is going to have to shift. Donovan Mitchell is going to have to buy into that, and to see like who is one, who is either one A to one B, or who is one or two, going to be an interesting time. And then you talk about the potential opportunities that could be lost offensively from Evan Mobley. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the fit is going to look like here. Um, obviously Donovan Mitchell is a better player than anybody the Cavs traded away. It's just a concern that I have. Like, and people, you can gloss over the losses of the spacing from Lauer. You can gloss over Sexton or Abaji, uh, but that is a legitimate concern to me. Yeah, I feel like Mobley, the way he'll be impacted most by this trade is that everyone's favorite thing about Mobley was his ability to be a connective tissue type player offensively. They wanted him to be like another offensive hub for the Cavs. And he's now going to have to like figure out how to not be the second op, like secondary ball handler on the floor with Darius. Now he's going to have to literally be like, if the ball's going to have to go up top to Darius, Darius will have to pass to Mobley, and then Mobley's going to have to make a quick decision pass. He's not going to be the one that kind of orchestrates the offense. It's going to be just quick connective tissue type passes off the elbow or something because Donovan's going to want the ball just as much as Darius does, and that leaves Mobley in a position where it's going to kind of take away from some of his strengths. So I'm pretty interested to see how it affects his facilitating. Otherwise, I think Mobley will mostly be unaffected overall yeah i mean that's that's valid i think that you know when you're talking about the differences between front court touches and uh the back court i think mobley is probably going to be okay but there's still a dynamic here that i'm very interested to see um especially considering who is going to suit up at that three spot um donovan will have to buy into what the Cavs kind of have going on here he's not going to be a one-man show 
<laughs> and I think it's important for us and him to understand that. Uh, but my question for you, my friend, is we've seen the trades that have gone on uh, this offseason in regards to, you know, Rudy Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell, obviously now, and DeJounte Murray in Atlanta. Um, and KD staying, <laughs> obviously staying with the uh, the Nets after holding much of everything up uh, this offseason. Does this trade actually put Cleveland in a contender status? This um, I don't really think so. I think the team's too young overall, and I don't necessarily think that the roster is a cohesive fit right now. I think it's really easy to like just look at like put up the ESPN graphic being like, here's the top five for the Cavs. Who could beat this? Top heavy as shit. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's like, in my opinion, the Cavs are six. Six and a half deep. I'm counting Rubio as a half, but you like, don't give love. You don't. You don't put love in there. No, yeah, I'm saying like. Oh, you, okay. Like, I got you. I got it's, you. Now. It's Darius. It's uh, Mobley, Allen, Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Love, Karis Levert, and then the half is Ricky Rubio. Like those are the six and a half players that I feel comfortable with. Everyone else is pretty much a question mark for me. <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, when you consider the depth that we lost and people are saying, oh, we lost one rotation player from this past season. Kind of, kind of not. I mean, when you look at when, where Cleveland finished last season, it was clear that they need a bucket getter. They got it in Donovan, but you shipped Colin out. So technically, I think we just swapped bucket getters. So like we made a minor upgrade, in my opinion, for a bucket getter. Yeah, um, I don't like I'm so... I don't know how to feel in comparison to those two because that's actually one thing I did in your absence is give like a comparison. I don't know if you actually listened to it. I listened to all your stuff, Mac. Thank you. But uh, yeah, I mean, the the head-to-head comparisons didn't really move me on who was actually a better player. Obviously, Donovan is is, is a considered a better player at this point. There's nothing wrong with saying that, but the gap wasn't like huge. Um, you know, he spaces the floor better. He's a better player. Um, he's a little bigger, uh, despite the height, but, um, the size concerns still remain. And, you know, a big component of this is how it shifts the, the, the lineup in other areas. Like cares goes, like I said earlier, from going to starting two, going from a starting two to potentially being a bench player or a starting three. That's crazy to me. I'm wondering, I feel like there has to be like another move left for this team. I think in some way it's going to have to be either Jetty or Karis in some kind of package deal to ship one of them out for like a a quality starting three. And I just can't figure out who that's going to be. A part of me was really wondering why the Cavs didn't try to finagle like a Bogdanovich return in the trade. I know he has a pretty decent cap hit overall, but Jetty makes a decent amount of money. I mean, Karis makes a decent amount of money as well. And I feel like you could have just tried to finagle something to get in return. I was kind of shocked we only got Mitchell in return. I was expecting like a salary dump. Like a Bogdanovich as, or a Clarkson just, or something. Just kind of some just some dump in general. Like I wasn't even expecting it to be a useful body, but another body would have been like like a, how we basically got Torian Prince for in the Jared Allen just because he wanted contracts to match. But, you know, at the end of the day, I really just don't think this Cavs roster is what we're going to be seeing on, like, opening night. Uh, 
for the Cavs. I think there's still some wiggle room left. Even uh, Chris Manning of Fear the Sword said this this is definitely not like probably going to be it. Like there's a lot of moves that can be left on the table. And if, honestly, if Karis LeVert's are starting three, I might be nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fighting words for some people, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I said, like I said, I mean, he goes from potentially starting at the two to potentially starting at the three. So that's, that's kind of a big deal in regards to the fit here defensively, uh, and spacing wise. Uh, but I mean, we could see another deal on the horizon. Uh, they've opened up some space. I think they got a trade exception from this. Um, there's a couple of things, a couple of tools at their disposal to continue upgrading. And we could see Karis or Jetty or anybody else not named in the core, uh, moved. Um, it's anything is on the table. Kobe Alvin has proven to be a damn wizard, uh, finagling shit, getting Puppet people master. <laughs> per- perfect, bro. Perfect name. The the fleecer. This guy just pulls deals out of his ass. Apparently, <laughs> like I don't know how he does it. Um, do you consider him to be the best general manager in Cavs history? Um, the. David Griffin was really good as well. So in my mind, (laughs) yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think Kobe has done definitely done the most with the least that I think at his disposal. I mean, LeBron pretty much gave him a really shitty hand to start out with. And he's basically built this asset trove from the ground up. So he's definitely had the most impressive uh, tenure, but I I don't, I feel like it's, this is like, obviously his going to be his, his legacy is this trade. I mean, I know people will say like, you can always say like, he got us Jared Allen for pretty much nothing and that type of stuff. But when you go all in as a GM, like no one's going to remember the Jared Allen part. Now, now you're the GM who basically brought in Donovan Mitchell and shipped out five first round picks and a player that was one of the favorites of the franchise, a promising rookie and a player. You also took a gamble on last year. Bro, I got to be honest, like even as much as I'm like harping on like the Lowry move um, him being included, I think like is it fair to say deep down that we always kind of knew that Lowry either wasn't going to be a long term piece here or he wasn't going to be like the starter. Like I think most of us kind of felt that Lowry was going to end up taking the Kevin Love role eventually off the bench. Um, is that is that fair to say? Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. I that's what I was kind of thinking as well is like, yeah, we love the Lowry. We love the big three lineup, but at the same time, like the league was going to catch up with that eventually. And like the Cavs, it really worked because the league was still operating in somewhat of a small ball perspective. But I think we saw in this postseason that small ball is no longer like seeming to be the trend that playoff teams are really going for. So we also were doing it at a bare necessity. Like who's to say that if Okchai ended up developing into like a good three, that that Lowry was probably not going to be the starting three past this season much like at the max in my opinion, but he would have probably still been a very valuable player off the bench. And if you're telling like Cavs fans, like uh, people like you and me who are upset that Lowry is gone being like, yeah, we gave you're upset. We gave up a future bench player for a future <laughs> starter. So that was an all-star. It just sounds really weird on paper. So oh, at, yeah, at, at the end of the day, like, it's fine. I'm just like, you know, I, I feel like people like you and me, Mac, we get attached to Cavaliers. We watch them for like the entire season and we talk about them at least twice a week during the season. 
so we just build up this affinity for them and then we're getting like the band-aid ripped off and our first thought is not who's coming in it's who's leaving and we're like what the hell why does people have to leave that we like <laughs> oh for sure there's wine colored glass wine and gold colored glasses on over here for sure like it sucks to see these guys go out but again like we're i think we're it's safe to say that we are both pretty excited about the acquisition of donovan mitchell we're not shitting on the deal at all it's just it's tough to see some of these components that have been included in the deal go. Like I'm really, I, I had really been rooting for Colin Sexton to remain like a part of the next step in Cleveland because the rebuild kicked off with him. Right. So mm-hmm. I wanted him to be a part of that, but at the same time, I do clearly recognize that Donovan Mitchell is one hell of an upgrade. Um, you know, although it costs, you know, some of these rotation pieces, it, I get it though. Like you, the Cavs are going all in. They must feel that a title window is vastly approaching and Kobe is taking some big swings in the past. And this is another one right here. Like props to him for doing something that uh, a lot of general managers did not have the guts to do. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, giving up Quinn Grimes and Obi Toppin's real tough. I mean, I <laughs> wouldn't have the heart to do that whatsoever. <laughs> Yo, some people have been suggesting uh, that we go after Cam Reddish. How would you feel about something like that? Uh, I'm all set. <laughs> I've taken a lot enough flyers for the day. <laughs> I don't need it. Basically, it's like, how would you like Jetty Osmond on crack? <laughs> like, you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> Even more than what you don't oh, know. With that's, fucked up. that's LeBron's problem. LeBron apparently wants Cam Reddish. He can have him. He loves those reclamation projects. Yo, I mean, don't don't rule out a, a, a LeBron return definitely now after his most recent contract is up. He's got to be watching what's going on in Cleveland now. <laughs> I got my pencils uh, circled for Bryce. <laughs> Not even yeah, Bronny. We, we skipped on over Bronny. Fuck Bronny. <laughs> it's all about Bryce now. Uh, I mean, to kind of illustrate how I felt about this trade immediately, I my first tweet I said besides I need medical help was that I'm very out on this Cavalier trade that will probably turn out to be a great trade at the end of the day because like your gut reaction is just like, what the fuck? What just happened? All my players. And then you're like, yeah, you know what? This is probably going to work out at the end of the day. Like at the very least, this Cavs team is going to be competitive now for at least the next few years. And if that doesn't work out, at least we took a swing, you know, because we're no longer we were no longer going to be in the conversation for being able to draft a really good player. Like Mobley is the last player that will ever for like for probably the next 10 years, I would say that the Cavs are going to have their hands on that has that ability for uh, no worse. This team over the next 10 years, mark my words, will be no worse than a middling contender. Like like a middling playoff contender, no worse than that. Um, I get it. The East got deeper. Uh, the Cavs are still they're in this crazy situation here where they're still pretty fucking young, but they don't yet have like ex- playoff experience. They they don't have a lot in regards to that. So we're still waiting on some of these guys to develop. Um, as you say, we probably won't be picking the lottery. We probably won't be adding any more like impactful pieces through the draft. So they have just expedited uh, the window here. So we're going to have to see how this shit pans out. Yeah. I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed our live draft uh, live stream we did because apparently that's going to be the only one for the next 10 years. So the next, <laughs> by the next time, me and Mac will be gray and we'll be talking about the draft again. So yeah. see you next decade. We'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I like, 
I still uh, we're gonna have to go to sleep on this and feel how see how we feel in the morning about it. But it's I'm still kind of in shock here about what he was able to pull off. Um, Co- he being Kobe Altman, um, definitely something to look forward to in Cleveland. Um, this is quite possibly the best roster the Cavs have ever assembled. Um, you know, sans LeBron, uh, n- not counting any of those LeBron rosters. So I don't that and that to me includes like like uh, <clears throat> Price Doherty, uh, Price Doherty, Nance, yeah, all of those guys. That era that includes that. I mean, I truly do believe that this could potentially at least the starting five. I don't know. That's just me. Call me crazy. Jump in the comments, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, that's that's kind of how I feel here. But for better or worse, the Cavs are kind of locked in a state of. Uh, <laughs> paralysis <laughs> yeah till they make a, a move to clear up that three like if we ever had questions at who the fuck is going to start at the three like if we we're ever going to get a true wing boy like they're even more exacerbated now yeah i mean i just i i until this like i can't see myself on opening night being like man i'm really comfortable that karis Levert is our three <laughs> <laughs> I just like so I just feel like there's so many like op, like the people I think now are like all right the roster's pretty much set we got Donovan Mitchell let's ride I feel like there's so many more branching paths that this team has now just opened up like it's going to be fun it's going to be crazy I- I'm here for it we're here for it <laughs> so I think it'll be a good time Oh definitely definitely going to be a good time definitely going to be something that will be like basketball like box office every single night and mark my words my friend the nba is going to flex a lot of these Cavs games like we saw the national schedule that was released for cleveland i will guarantee you they're going to find a way to get them some more national games now yeah especially with the lakers still getting a shit ton of national games <laughs> the hell is that about <laughs> I, you don't want to watch westbrook and pat bev that's prime time mma that's, yeah that's box office <laughs> That's boxing. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, man. So many questions to answer. Um, Again, I'm just going to say this one last time because me and Corey kind of went off on a tangent here. We are excited about this deal. We do feel legitimately positive about this deal. We just have concerns, and that's okay. Mac, I want you to give you your uh, quick thoughts, official letter grade for this this trade. Right now, I'm going to give it a B minus. Um, oh. and that, that can raise to a, a an A plus. <laughs> that is such a wide margin. <laughs> no, I said B minus. Dude, it's like an 80 to a 100. <laughs> bro, B minus. Here's why. I give it a B minus because this significantly fucks up things for the three. Like until I see the Dean Wade, Jetty Osmond, <laughs> Lamar Stevens, uh, you know, whoever else uh, that I may be leaving out here can Isaac, Aquino, Dylan Windler, <laughs> Dylan Windler, Karis Levert, whoever the hell you want to put at the three until I see that any one of those motherfuckers can actually soak up minutes at the three starters minutes, mind you, and can be like a truly impactful player consistently till then it's a B minus to me. I thought I was going to be on the lower end of the spectrum, but now that Mac is giving a huge asterisk filled B minus that can turn to an A plus. Why are you playing me? (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I'm going to give it a D, but there's potential it could be an A+. Plus. Hey, uh, I didn't go low <laughs> on it. I, I can. I mean, you get a B, you're still doing pretty good in school, right? <laughs> That's a B-. minus. That's not something that people are proud of. That's below a three. I'm proud of it. <laughs> I, uh, I would probably give it a B+, plus just because of the talent that you acquire with, like, in retrospect, how much you gave up. When we're, like, especially when you think about like what you said, all the other trades that have been on the table, I like compared to the Minnesota Rudy Gobert trade, the Cavs basically swindled the Jazz. In my opinion, I think it the the lifespan of a Rudy Gobert type versus the lifespan of a Donovan Mitchell type is mm-hmm. drastic. Like Rudy Gobert can be great at the same level he is now for the next three to four years before I feel like a decline would happen. Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell has at least five plus. I mean, it's really all going to turn out and see how this offense looks. What it, I just hope that it like doesn't cause any rifts because, you know, there's a lot of Donovan Mitchell. I feel like is an ego mm-hmm. and not, I'm saying in a negative way, just like players that are that good have to think highly of themselves to yeah, be that good. Not, you kind of have to, I suppose. Yeah. I'm not saying like Donovan Mitchell's a dick or anything, but <laughs> you know, <Are> you sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, when you compare him to Dean, who's so humble that that rejects all of our messages. <laughs> I, um, I would say I, yeah, I think at the end of the day, a B is pretty fair. I think if the trade gets us to being very competitive in the East, like a consistent top four threat in the Eastern conference, I'd give this trade like an A. Oh yeah, like, that that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you, I, I it's a cop out, whatever. I, I gave it a B minus um, with the potential to climb up to an A for a reason. For me, it's not necessarily because of Mitchell, because I like Mitchell. Mitchell is box office, and no, Mister Rumple Foreskin, <laughs> we are not, uh, we're not down, we're not doubting Okoro or Levert. But you have to understand something. One, like I said earlier on. In regard to Levert, Levert has never played more than he hasn't played more than 60 games in five seasons. That's a big deal. That's a big deal in terms of roster and lineup consistency. And he is actually not that efficient. Things could change. Obviously, there's that caveat. He could look much better with a full offseason in Cleveland and knowing his role assuming they slot him in at that starting three spot. They may not. Whoever know, you know, who knows? But there's still a lot of unanswered questions in regards to him. The questions for him have always been, can he stay healthy? Can he play off ball? Can he defend with his God-given length? We don't know. And then Isaac Okoro. There's just so many questions in regards to him. Where do you want to start? (laughs) Exactly. Like, yes, he took a a decent leap in regards to percentage for three-point range, um, you know, first three-point range. But guess what? That came on lower volume, so it's not and really the most uncontested three-point shot attempts probably in the NBA. <laughs> oh, I, I released a video on that the other day. He all I want to say all but one, and, and it might actually be all of them. I can't remember. I think it's all but one of his shot uh, three-point t- shot attempts were uncontested. I want to ask Cavs fans who are trying to say that Isaac Okoro should be the starting three. One question. How many times last year when Isaac Okoro pulled up from the three point line, were you like, Oh boom, this is going in. I can tell you, <laughs> I was looking through the peeps of my fingertips going like Jesus Christ. Like, well, hope this goes in. And then when it goes in, it's like a breath of relief. 
that I shouldn't mean, happen from a starting three in the NBA. I, I honestly, I I felt pretty good about him taking those shots. I was just happy that he was taking them, but at the same time, like that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> like, <laughs> thank God you're taking him, Isaac. You. <laughs> that's a pretty low bar. So no, I I have faith in Isaac. I have been one of the few people I feel has been consistently supportive of of the guy but we have to be honest with ourselves and tamper our expectations for a guy who has not really shown us that he can do these things consistently like he has had stretches in which he's looked pretty decent as an as a ball handler as an offensive player but he hasn't done it consistently like there's just so many caveats and factors considered in regards to him we're not down on him we just haven't seen enough yeah, no, I don't want to make it seem like I, I don't hate Isaac Okoro, the player. I love Isaac Okoro, the player overall. I don't love Isaac Okoro, the starting three for the Cavaliers who needs to stretch the floor in order to make an impact offensively. He's also 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he's not like he's not what not as what you can consider a typical body at the three either we've seen what isaac okoro at the three looks like from his rookie year and it was a con like yes he's our best defensive player on the floor for our perimeter defender but i don't want to have to watch him go against paul george and lebron james types all year again and that's what that's pretty much going to have to be i'm just hoping we find someone who can play defense and be an adequate we just need a three and d play like veteran player it doesn't need to be one of those higher ends we could find like a cheap roco type who's really not really a good three and d player technically but you get my point like that's what this Cavs team needs in order just to be a quick plug and play and then i'll feel a little more confident with the starting five somebody suggested to me that the Cavs go out and try and acquire larry Nance jr back <laughs> to try it uh, i was honestly uh, grinding in my head like who should it be and then like you know josh hart wouldn't be that bad either but you know shit we just had cj miles on this show cj call the Cavs up there's, yes. there's some open roster spots buddy cj your time is now just don't have your internet cut out again <laughs> during the call oh man yeah so again guys we're feeling good about this trade but um as we always tell you, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at its Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you'd like to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a, uh, a rating, <laughs> leave a review, send a screenshot of said review to It's Cavalier 53 at gmail.com, and we will personally invite you. Uh, and with that being said, go Cavs. <laughs>